When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tribe of Two, the officially unofficial podcast for The Mandalorian. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about The Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 5, Return of the Mandalorian. Uh, it's Wait, I, I thought this is Season 3, Episode 1. Uh, oh, I must, I must have misnumbered it. No, I, I think... Uh, it, it, I don't know. It was surprising, I guess, to see uh, The Mandalorian back so early. No one, no one told us, right? They just put up an episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's a strange decision, but honestly, I, I think it takes a lot of guts for the mouse to like admit that, like, you know, halfway through the season, Boba Fett just wasn't working, canceling it, and just, mm-hmm. you know, rushing, rushing the Mandalorian back because four uh, episodes is a good run. Boba had yeah. his time; it yeah. just didn't work we, we, out. We yeah. saw Boba Fett; he took off his helmet. We're like, mm, no thanks, <laughs> and uh, we got, we got her, we got her no, uh, no helmet takeoff boy again. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, of course. Obviously, this is a Book of Boba Fett episode, but what the hell, man? It's not a Book of Boba Fett episode. It's the Mandalorian. He's literally not yeah. in this episode. Yeah. Mandalor- the, the Mandalorian uh, stole Boba Fett's show from him. Yeah. And uh, we, asked, we actually reached out to Boba Fett. He said he wasn't that mad. He just uh, uh, you know, bears no ill will to any Star Wars fans that prefer Mandalorian to him. And he just uh, asks for you to remain neutral. <laughs> uh in in the contract negotiation of the next season uh yeah no no rewards no punishment just you know he'll he'll do it all by himself he just wants us to remain neutral uh it it is kind of an indictment that <laughs> this episode of boba fett that does not contain boba fett but does contain the new coolest guy in the star wars universe yeah. is easily the best episode of the season oh you thought so um yeah i i liked large portions of it uh there are a couple complaints here and there but like yeah yeah it's it's definitely up there it's if not number one it's number two i really liked episode two of this show and i was about to say you can definitely make an argument for episode two but here's my argument you put mandalorian in for boba fett in episode two and it's even better yeah it's just straight up better probably so uh yeah man i i don't know it's wild like i i see why people are complaining about this right because you're it, it feels like this should have been one show the mandalorian and book of boba fett just combined right and we could have we could have done away with a lot of the time wasting and side stories and shit that we were treated to treated to in the mandalorian um and actually been cutting back and forth between these stories and it would have been very cool to see both of these guys eventually come together in like season two um but I, I don't know, maybe they're they're planning on taking them so far apart later on that they couldn't really do that. But I've seen shows do that. It's I don't know. It fine. seems like these they're going to entwine these shows very, very tightly. Um Yeah. To the point you gotta ask, like, was it smart to call this the book like the actually make this a book of Boba Fett, or would they have been smarter to just restyle the Mandalorian as Mandalorians? 
Yeah, totally. And that's a show that can that can, you know, encompass the try the return to the throne storyline of um as a Bo-Katan and it can encompass the uh you know, watch the throne storyline of Boba Fett and it can encompass the wanderings of Jin uh Jaren like mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like um, siloing all this stuff up, but you can make the same experiment. You can make the same kind of argument on the Disney side of like, you know, maybe instead of having all, you could just have the the Marvel's Disney's Marvel crap, and it just runs every week, and each week it's a different, you know, slightly different person. Sometimes they work together, sometimes they 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 they're and and then this is like a comic book, and then the giant size summer crossovers are essentially the fucking movies, and then they've yeah, congratulations, yeah. you have reinvented the comic book on the television screen. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's it's and I and that's the other thing is like I think Disney's really experimental with this because no one, no one has built a cinematic universe before. Um, not certainly not big. at this scale. Yeah. And no one has then brought it back to the small screen and tried to, you know, keep it like so like they're kind of like figuring out all this stuff um, as they go. Mm-hmm. But it is puzzling. It is puzzling to cleanly just drop a whole ass episode of The Mandalorian right in the middle of Boba Fett season. See, and I didn't even really mind it because the episode was better than the stuff I've been watching. It's just when mm-hmm. here's some of the things that were jarring when. The things that I thought Jarn. should be happening. <laughs> yeah, with a D. The things I thought should be happening in Book of Boba Fett were happening here in an episode of Book of Boba Fett that didn't feature Boba. Like the scene where he goes in this first scene, which I really love. He goes in, he finds this bounty who has disguised himself. He takes his head and he puts it in a sack. It's dripping blood. He steps into an elevator to return this bounty. He's getting looks like. This should be Boba Fett doing these things, but Boba Fett is out there wandering the desert and turning people into like atomizing people to Mm -hmm. where like there is no blood. It's all ridiculous. It's all like kid stuff. I expected more of this PG-13 level stuff in Book of Boba Fett. I agree. This uh, Clatoonian butcher shop scene with the Darksaber I didn't think that they could do that on Disney shows. Right? Like, you know, I'm not expecting Kill Bill, the crazy 88 <laughs> scene in Kill Bill, like sure. going to black and white just so you can get away with all the blood. But yeah. I was expecting more of this stuff regularly through the Mandalorian and Boba Fett. And I, I don't know, like, yeah. is, is it like the F word where like you can only have the hero bisect a, a humanoid figure once per season? You know, just like you can only drop an F bomb like once in a PG. I don't know what it is, but like, you're right. Some of these, some of these things. And I remember like the season, the the series premiere of Mandalorian had one of these scenes too, where it's like kind of hardcore. It's kind of, I thought that would be the tone of the whole series. Yeah. Um, and it also kind of like, man, when, when Mando gets away from Gro- Grogu, as much as we all love baby Yoda, I love baby Yoda. I got baby Yoda up on the shelf behind me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does seem like he's a more interesting character when he's not being the, the <laughs> a the, babysitter. The, yeah. 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 When he's not being Dadalorian. Uh-huh. Um, no, that's, that's, a, that's a cool plot too, but it's like weird to see him kind of like torn between the two, the two sides. And it just puts into stark relief, like the way that they changed Boba Fett's character just right off the bat. It, it, it wasn't even like, Hey, this is the Boba, you know, and we're going to transform him into a softer, gentler Boba. It yeah. was just, Right off the bat, he's a Boba who doesn't 
have the the teeth for this anymore you know like it's yeah he's like he's like uh cuddy from the wire he comes back and is like i just don't got it in me anymore man but you know yeah and he'll he'll kill like a biker gang but i i expected more of this more of this from boba not taking any shit and the other thing is boba fett was only cool was only cool because he sat there like a badass kind of somewhat intimidated vader and is any 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 looked cool sure and i don't understand what the obsession is getting boba to take his fucking ha- helmet off as much as possible and also the newly the the robed boba fett is not as cool as the spacesuit armored boba fett yeah. it just isn't um also does this well, <laughs> does it's kind of also dumb like, like, like because yeah. the other thing is like Part of what's made Boba cool is he had the same kind of like space worn ragtag appearance of everything else in the Star Wars universe. He had a dent in his helmet. His paint was faded and chipped and he looked like he'd been through some shit. And I don't understand why they give Boba Fett the fresh paint job and he still got the fucking dent in his Beskar helmet. Like, it's just like, ah, nothing. I I liked Boba Fett's look when he was in the, you know, his robe, you know, his his robe, the Tuscan look. Mm-hmm. And I like his classic look, but like the fusion of the two with the glossy, well, not even glossy, the matte paint job. I something about it just doesn't look as cool. And then when Mando shows up in his fucking gleaming, chroming be- Beskar <laughs> and his fucking cool ass spacesuit yeah. and his like leg bandolier, and his, like it's just like instantly, yes, that's that's the guy. This is Boba Fett perfected, and now we're going back to Boba Fett diluted. Um, yeah. I don't know. No, I'm with you. Um, that said, I did enjoy most of this episode, uh, even if, you know, this was the return of the Mandalorian, literally. Yeah, no, I, I saw someone on the Internet describe this as like this episode is like the watching this episode is like the living embodiment of the Vince McMahon gif of like, you know, like, oh, boy, you're a man. And then like you just oh, progressively yeah. get more and more blown away. And so because like he is, and especially if you're one of the younger Star Wars fans, it's like super up into the prequels. Like the last half of this fucking episode is just pure Phantom Menace porn. Oh, totally. You know, from yeah. the Naboo, the Boo. It, I, I knew what it was with the cloth draped over it. I was like, oh, Fuck I, yeah. I see yeah. what they're yeah. doing. Here. And I was like, why would no? It's the new and mm. that and like even him he trying to reclaim Wizard. Uh, kind of doing it. Like I can see hmm. people thinking Wizard is unironically cool now, where it was just pure cringe when it first was deployed upon us. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Take it, uh, taken in isolation. I like this episode. I really like the Mandalorian. I thought it was very cool, and it's also efficiently kind of set. I know exactly what the next season of Mandalorian is going to be about. Sure. Yeah. You know, gotta, uh, gotta go visit a baby. I guess. Yeah, you got to get that. Got to get that Grogu up in that uh, droid droid socket. Sure. With gotta, some Mandalorian gotta, armor. Yeah. Got to yeah. get him. Yeah, he's got to be. He's going to be wearing Mandalorian <laughs> chain mail uh, over his Jedi robes. And he's going to be in that little clear bubble doing cool shit. Yep. Yeah. That'd be cute. Totally. I mean, he, uh, Grogu is probably going to end up with the, the Darksaber, right? I mean, they talked about like the fusion of Jedi and Mandalorian. He's going to get the armor. Yeah, he's going to get gonna the dark be, saber. He's, he's, he's clearly the heir to the Mandalore throne, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? He needs another hundred, two hundred years Look, of seasoning. Man, but it, it, you don't need midichlorians <laughs> to be a Mandalorian. All you need is a way of life and some armor. That's, That's a hell true. of a lot easier than trying to train a Jedi. So especially one hundred percent. If you if you ain't got the midichlorians for it, <laughs> so. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. 
all right. I think we should probably get into the recap now. Let's do it. But first, let's take a quick break. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we start off with Mando visiting a meatpacking plant to pick up a bounty um, or to to collect, I guess, the, the bounty so he can turn him in. And he's injured during the process by his own sword. Darksaber seems a little hard to control. That's something that uh, it's kind of a bit of Star Wars lore. They're putting extra spin on the fact that uh, there's something like with the 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 Darksaber's mass or the way it channels crystal. I did some just did some lore research into this because again, I didn't didn't watch the Clone Wars. Um, mm-hmm. But it's always been a thing of like you know, a lightsaber is something that you could easily lop your own legs off with. You know, oh yeah, it's a massless blade that cuts through anything like butter. And I, I kind of like the fact that the, this guy's trying to flash it out um, against a bunch of mooks and almost chops his own leg off. Yeah. Uh, that said, I don't like the design of these Clatoonians. No, uh, they're, they're, oh. yeah, they're, they're a little bit Will Smith bright. Did you see that movie where he's <laughs> no, like busting orc drug dealers and shit like this? These guys looked, yeah, it looks like the 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 Mandalorian is going with Will Smith to to bust a drug front in uh, in in orc <laughs> infested L.A. or whatever. All right, well, um, not having seen that, I really liked the design of these guys. Yeah, they're space dogs, mm-hmm. space bulldogs. Sure, it works uh, for me. I'm still not entirely sold on the Mandalorian's main combat style, which is essentially tanking tons of shots with their best car like i always thought that should be a last resort and it seems like it's just something and maybe i don't know maybe that's maybe that will be cool um i i just never thought that these guys were like hulking you know war tanks i thought it'd, they'd be more like agile and use their bet jet pack and their weapons and stuff and it, it's mm-hmm. always weird just to see him ting to ting ting to ting 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 to ting ting just get shot up like 1200 times and you know then come at it with a dark saber but uh yeah i mean he's fighting a lot of guys i don't i don't blame him yeah yeah uh but this is cool like the whole vibe of this scene is just really good i like from him walking through you know the the plastic slats in the door or whatever those those floppy Mm -hmm. things you for some reason they use those in meatpacking plants all the time i think they're called beef curtains no, <laughs> no, yeah. The you only see them and you only see them in meatpacking I mean, plants. They're called beef curtains. They separate wrong. the beef rooms. Uh. <laughs> Is it because they're easy to hose down? Is that why they use those in in meat facilities? I you'd have to ask me. Oh, you know what? It's, they're probably really good at retaining cool, like you know, okay. better than an open doorway, and then you don't have to have your blood splattered hands that you go back sure. and forth through. Yeah, I don't know. 
Someone uh, who works in the meatpacking industry, let us know about these beef curtains. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> inquiring minds. I, I just really like the vibe, like the way it's shot. Um, like we kind of get a tour of the place as Mando's walking through. We see all the people who later could challenge him. All, all the sharp, you know, implements they're just hanging yeah. around. Um, it it feels like a very dangerous environment that he's walking into. It did build up the tension. All the people that are wa- side eyeing this guy, and you know exactly why he's there and exactly who he's there for. And they're all, like you said, holding these vibro meat cleavers that could be real problems. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I liked it. Uh, and then, yeah, the whole negotiation process with this guy was fun because Mando doesn't negotiate. <laughs> you know, you can leave this in two ways warm or cold. Yeah. Love I like it. Harkening back to that. Mm hmm. Uh, and then Mando takes the, the head of his bounty and he turns it in and they, they really wanted to stay. I was wondering if this would go anywhere this episode, but it doesn't, which I was kind of surprised by. I guess this is just showing that like Mando's in demand. Mm-hmm. He's in demand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and he follows some hidden symbols on the walls to the Mandalorian armor and uh, the other Mando that survived, whose name I guess is Paz. I I never learned this in the Mandalorian. He's, he's beefy Boba in my in my notes, which yes would have been confusing, except for the real Boba is slimmed down. The back has done him, <laughs> done him done him good. True. Uh, they patch him up. He shows him the dark saber, and then he joins them in rebuilding a bit. As 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 they talk about like the dark saber and Mandalore and the Night of a Thousand Tears, there's a lot going on here and the other thing about this whole scene as he's traveling is damn say what you want about the story but Disney really pulled out the wallet for this one because there's so much CG in this show or in this episode in particular mm-hmm. it's wild man I mean and it isn't just like oh it's a desert let's put a skybox in the back on the volume and yeah. call it good this is like ring worlds and yeah. it and and cities being destroyed planets being destroyed it's crazy mm-hmm. i think this is the first um on-screen le- re- real life live action depiction of a ring world um, you might be right certainly in star I, wars i can't think of any um, yeah i, I just uh, can't think of star wars using a ring world ever yeah. even in the eu but- stuff course ring worlds invented by master chief and halo uh i've never <laughs> sure. ne- never seen before in science fiction right right <laughs> but it it's cool and it's Larry exactly niven like a thing to say about that i don't know i mean no this was a niven as fuck he even had the like ro- counter rotating uh solar panels that are giving you the alternating day night cycle oh, like, did it's, I didn't it, see it's it was a pleasure it was a pleasure to observe i and i um there's a couple buildings I thought was kind of weird because they built buildings so high it looks like they're above the atmosphere, but I don't know, maybe those are spaceports hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. I thought those are really cool. I would love to see more Ring World fiction. I would love for HBO uh, to option a Ring World miniseries. Sure. Uh, it's an inherently cool concept. Uh, I, I would like to see see more of it. But yeah, thank you to Star Wars for finally bringing a, a Ring World installation into uh, live action cinema. I don't even think yeah. it's been an animated like I can. It's been in like video games. Sure. Totally. Uh, that's all I can think of. Yeah, um, I was I was happy to see it. I, I think it's it, this type of structure is obviously um not a stranger to Star Wars, like Death Stars and 
and there have been like Dyson spheres, I think, even which you know, Ring World's about as close to a Dyson sphere as you get without full Dyson sphere. Um, yeah, it's a poor, it's, it's it's a Dyson sphere on a budget. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's an MRI Dyson sphere slice live of a Dyson on. sphere. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It was it was really cool to see. It's cool because I like this group of Mandalorians. Mandalorians, probably my favorite scene in the Mandalorian up until now is that scene where they all jetpack down uh, mm-hmm. to to rescue them from Navarro. I think was the st- the the planet. Yeah, and they kind of catch up, and you find out that this is it. This is the last three Mandalorians of this tribe, and they're trying to rebuild. Um, and I like, you know, there's a lot of details. I don't know that we ever heard them refer to this as a covert. Yeah, uh, their their cell is a covert, which I thought was, was like a cool kind of play on the idea of a convent. You know, oh, I was thinking like, a coven too. Yeah, like a oh yeah, like a witch's yeah. Coven. yeah. Yeah, you got the uh, uh, but but like a covert, and the fact that they're using like these infrared things or ultraviolet markings that only they can mm-hmm. see to kind of like have it uh, show show where the din is and she's setting up her you know metal smithing shop i thought that stuff was all good and i, I know we sit, talked about pre-podcast that some of this lore stuff was kind of review because we got a lot of the story from both katan but i also like hearing the other side of like the the anti-bo-katan the the, the caesar yeah. is kind of a reckless and and kind of a feckless uh, inexperienced leader who took you know was given things rather than had to be into taking them i like the lore about there being a jedi master who was also a mandalorian that forged the dark star or dark saber i thought that stuff was um i thought this stuff was pretty cool um sure. also like you know the further development of like the mandalorian who's starting to kind of trust a little bit into the new republic's justice system mm-hmm. and you know kind of like turning into a law and order guy and Probably the well-earned skepticism that the armorer has towards that. Kind of like, eh, we'll see if he gets justice. You know, he is played by Gus Fring. Uh, it seems <laughs> uh-huh. like a more of a recurring recurring type character, Mando, rather than someone. She, you know, she's read she's read next season script. Sure. Um, but there's and also like the fact that like a Beskar st- uh, spear is kind of an anathema to Mandalorians because it's the only thing that can pierce their armor and. It's a, uh, it's, it's kind of like a symbolic threat to Mandalorians everywhere. Uh, I thought that was cool. And then, yeah, seeing the, the night of the great purge, the night of the thousand tears, mm-hmm. uh, seeing the, the KX security droids that were first seen in the uh, solo kind of like doing their Terminator thing. Yeah. I, that was totally Terminator marching through the ashes. And that's another kind of like dark gear that like, uh, you know, apocalyptic gear that I was hoping that these series would, would, would get to, but I thought that mm-hmm. was, uh, Pretty fucking cool. And yeah. how, like every other cult, like they happen to be sequestered sequo- sequo- on a moon, probably because the rest of Mandalorians thought they were pain in the ass and kicked them out. And they saw that as like, ah, yes, this is our divine right. You know, we were the sure. only Mandalorians yeah. spared because of our adherence to the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gotta change that narrative, man. How are you going to get followers if you don't change the narrative when it doesn't suit you? Yeah, you know, ask the shakers. Oh, you can't. They're all dead. Um, <laughs> So I what it seems clear to me that they are forging like some kind of like um Beskar chainmail for Grogu to wear. Very yeah. very much like what Frodo the his mithril coat of arms that he wore in Lord of the Rings. I'm thinking it's going to be something like that. Something he I could mean, wear it, either over or under his Jedi robes. Yeah, if it wasn't obvious when you know, Mando's talking in this scene, they have the scene later where he's on the commercial flight and he 
looks at this little package that they give him and it's shaped exactly like Grogu's yeah. head. I'm like, uh-huh. oh God, that's clever, but ugh. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I thought it was so good. Uh, it's cheesy, but okay. Have we talked about the duel, the, the duel yet? Uh, no, no, I was going to get to that. So Mando okay. has the armor forge his Beskar spear into armor for Grogu, probably. Uh, they train with the Darksaber for a while, but Mando's having trouble wielding it. And then Paz wants the sword because I guess it's like a family thing. I don't know. One of his great ancestors made this thing. Uh, so they duel for it and Paz loses, but the armor shames Mando for removing his helmet and tells him he can only be redeemed in the mines beneath Mandalore, which unfortunately have been destroyed. So then Mando leaves. New quest. Yes. Redemption of the Mandalore. Um, and there's a lot. So like this to me sets up a lot of what I expect to see in future seasons of Mandalore Mandalorian because totally. um, I'm reading between the lines here and I'm seeing that like the uh, conscious contrast of the Jedi philosophy, the Mandalorian philosophy, the Mandalorians are all about, um, you know, cohesion and unity of purpose and and unquestioning support. The Jedi are all about, you know, not forming any kind of attachments, not even family or romantic attachments. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's often said that the opposite of crazy is crazy. And it seems to me that either the Mandalorian or or Baby Yoda are destined to be that uh, the unity. Like, you know, something Star Wars is still obsessed with is balance sure. of the force. We still haven't achieved it. Like through all the trilogies, mm-hmm. uh, light and dark have not been balanced. I wonder if they're telling, like, like if if, if at Star Wars they're like, you know what, we actually kind of need to think about what the fuck we're trying to do here, big picture. Like, yeah. what is our uh, in game? What is our uh, Infinity Gauntlet shit here? And it might be bringing balance to the Force, like a nice decade long project yeah. that you can do through like all kinds of different stories, and there could be side stories that don't have anything to do with it, but they might introduce characters to the sport. But like. I wonder if that's what they're that this is we're starting to see the mission statement of like all this flailing and uh, all the stuff that didn't really work in the and they're like, you know what? What is this about? And I, I think that might be it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if there is a thesis for Star Wars, that's it. It's the balance to the force thing. It's the light and dark balancing each other out. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the good and bad coming to a stalemate, essentially. Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely like as a viewer of the original star wars that's the vibe i get of this entire universe so it seems the only logical destination for this this series or you know not just a series but all of the series that disney's going to put together yeah and like so the the armorer said you can only atone by bathing in the living waters beneath the mines of mandalore and then the mandalorian says but they've all been destroyed and she says that is the way this Mm -hmm. is the way some people have taken that to be in like a proverbial like, well, you can't, you're fucked, you're forever cast out of the Mandalorians, kind of like Jesus. It's easier for a rich man to enter to, to get to, to, to pull a, a, a camel through the needle of an eye than to, in, than to get through the gates of heaven. Um, but I actually think it's a challenge because yeah. if she really believed the fact that he's no longer Mandalorian, why would she let him keep the Darksaber? Why would she let him keep his Beskar? Mm-hmm. I think it's a challenge of like you are the one that needs to go and and reopen those minds. You are the one that has yeah. to go and and restore Mandalore. You are the person. You are she wants him to be the leader that they need. Mm-hmm. Um I think you're I right. think that's what they're going with. Yeah, totally. Uh I see that as, you know, a big mission statement for 
the next season, not just to find Grogu, but then to go try and redeem himself. Um, and it's going to be interesting with, you know, Bo-Katan out there who's like not on the exact same page, right? Um, as a Mandalorian, she's got different ideas and it's not just going to be a battle for, uh, you know, between the, the new Republic or whatever with uh, Mando's heart and mind. It's also going to be a battle between different flavors of Mandalorian. Yeah, and the fact that like I felt like Bo-Katan's people have kind of open contempt for these uh, these cultish Mandalorians, you know, see them as backwater, you know, fundamentalist, and in the, yeah. in, in the way that like I don't think Jin has that kind of contempt towards the other side. Like he's much more kind sure. of like keep his own counsel and just kind of see what people do. Um, like he's you know he 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 came into this uh, series really prejudiced against droids, um, and now he's like starting to get over. He's poised to be the one that can find that the sane middle mm-hmm. um, between all these different, uh, you know, like uh, Boba Fett's very much a Jedi, kind of like doesn't give a shit about the other Mandalorians. And, all, and then you've got the Bo-Katan, who's very Mandalorian, but, you know, uh, eschews all the old ways and, and doesn't respect them. I, I think that they are. It sounds it sounds it, it does seem like this guy's going to have a big, uh, a big focus in, in whatever that they're building in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the duels? I I thought the duels are pretty cool. Uh huh. Yeah, it worked for me. Um, the the concept of the dark saber, you know, getting heavier as you sort of wield it incorrectly or wield it against its own will or something. Um, it, it's a little nebulous. I, I'm not sure exactly what's going well, on there. So but it, I looked into the lore, and I guess the dark saber has got some kind of specialized Kyber crystal technology that really amps up the power. And, uh, it, it like pulls like in energy and, um, apparently, I don't know if this actually makes strict sense, but <laughs> sure. apparently it also pulls in the emotional energy of the user. And that can mm-hmm. like add weight to the blade that shouldn't be there. And you have to kind of like attain a little bit of uh, a clear mind and a focus um, yeah. and, and not try to fight like the, the more distressed you get at a fact that the blade's getting heavier, the worse it's going to get. It's um, like Luke with the training droid, right? Yeah. Or shooting at him and he's trying to block those shots. Yeah. You got to open, open yourself up to what you got to let go and let Grogu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I, and I and I then like kind of like also it's like uh, when uh, he was fighting Chunky Boba, um, the fa- like when he got bested, it's almost like the fight got easier for him because he kind of wants to be that nimble guy going in with the vibro blade, and now the big guy who's already slow and bulky is even slower yeah. with this thing is able to easily defeat him. Also, the stakes. I like the fact that they like this is like a Mortal Kombat stage. Where it's essentially uh-huh. you're just over the abyss of space, and they put then we already saw him fall off once and save himself the backpack. Oh, now they're putting the jetpacks aside. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was I thought that was a, a pretty nice, pretty nicely stage fight. Uh, uh-huh. Pretty exciting. Uh, all right, Mando boards a commercial flight after checking his weapons at the door. Uh, when he lands, all his weapons are there. Nothing to fear. Nothing to fear, Mando. Uh, Mando flying coach. Oh boy. <laughs> yes. I I loved seeing how untenable being a bounty hunter is when you have to fly coach. It's like it's really bad. You what? You're going to take your bloody stump neck head on this flight <laughs> yeah. and sit it next to this baby yeah. Rodian or something like good what? luck getting that through customs. You right. Know? What is this fluid leaking? Yeah, you just check uh, it. They'll check anything. Uh, there's a, have you ever been on star tours? No. 
Okay, I haven't either because I've never been to Disney World. But apparently, these the little droid unit that's checking his weapons and stuff is the little pilot droid in all the Star Tour Disney attractions. Huh, okay, um, that's kind of cool. Which I, that's yeah, yeah, it is cool that they're bringing like yeah, this would be a fin- essentially a Star Wars tour in real life. They're boarding this like commercial mm-hmm. craft, and I thought that was kind of cool. There's a lot of people that are big theme park heads like Jenny Nicholson were really squeeing about it. I thought that was cute. Yeah, they've got this new thing they're doing at disney i I don't know how successful it's been with the pandemic and everything i actually don't even know if it started yet but like it's that live experience like star wars experience thing where you pay like four grand a night or something and yeah you just become a star wars character in star wars i'm very curious to see the first few reviews because i think it's starting to like it they're they're starting to book reservations this year or no they I think people are actually going this year they're, I think speaking so speaking to Jenny Nicholson I think she's got a February thing where she's going to go and film a bunch of stuff and do a review of it but nice like, I, I got a healthy degree of skepticism that a it's going to be too. cool and b it's going to be worth the price that you have to pay <laughs> yeah. to get it like it's a very sounds yeah. very Jurassic Parky where it's like yeah if you're a multimillionaire kid it's going to be a fucking hoot but mm-hmm. if not then you know keep playing Jedi Knight kid for sure um it, the thing that struck me is they make him check all these weapons right and i'm thinking okay he's pulling out his pocket knife he's he's you know d- dumping his drinks because you're not allowed to take any whatever mm-hmm. on board only 3.5 ounces of grogu that you can bring on right each, i uh... can't take a fucking <laughs> cigarette lighter on a plane and mando could take a back a jetpack i thought i couldn't a believe fucking that jetpack. He, i got i couldn't believe he walks in with that jetpack into it's like come on you can do some da- i've seen him remote control that thing kill people with it like right it was wild uh but yeah i guess it's like you, you can't take gandalf's walking staff you can't take a mandalorian's flying pack disabled right. they're, they're considered disabled without it uh so then mando's mechanic where we just kind of cut to her uh peli motto mm-hmm. she's almost eaten by a creature but mando shows up just in time to save her oh by the way jawa fucker that's her uh-huh. nickname from now on <laughs> <laughs> not she, there's she, anything wrong with yeah, that she but there's kind of something wrong with that i i, I don't know those those, those beady wearing jaws Look, they can give consent. It's fine. They're sentient. They're they're... Oh, I'm not saying yeah. it's immor- I'm just saying oh, it's, it's gross. gross. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Filthy desert. Well, butters. now I know your opinion on Jawa. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I reserve the right to be racist towards Jawas and only hmm. Jawas. They know what they did. <laughs> uh, she shows him the new ship she found for him, which turns out to be an N1 fighter. And if you don't recognize the name and you haven't seen this episode and you're listening to this podcast for some reason, it's a, a Naboo starfighter is what mm-hmm. I think of it as. Um, she talks him into helping her repair it, and they, they get to it with a big old montage. Um, okay, so this is a cool idea. I like the idea of uh, Mando with a, a starfighter. This isn't a terribly impractical terribly. Uh, vehicle for a bounty hunter, and I can't believe he yes. didn't say that. Like, yeah, it's cool, right? it's fast, it's well-armed, and it's all that, but where the hell am I going to put my prisoners? Where's the cargo hold? I had a carbon freezing unit in the old deal, man. Where's the shitter? Yeah. (laughs) I had a shitter in my last ship. Now, what, I got to stop at a gas station? I'm glad I can go to hyperspace. uh, But on the other hand, uh, I'm going going to sit on a five-gallon bucket, I guess, because... (laughs) But there's not room because the canopy's so low. 
I don't know. It makes uh, me makes me wonder if he's going to get like some kind of uh, like Bebop type ship from Cowboy Bebop that will kind of like that big oh. freighter that Han Solo was flying around in in the the sequels. I feel like he like, already had the Bebop. Like the Razor Crest was essentially the Bebop, kinda. But what I'm going to is like something that can hold. Like he'll have like you know like like a, a mothership oh, that he can dock yes. this thing with. Gotcha. Like this will be Spike's personal ship or whatever, and then. He'll just store Fuck it. On it you know what? Just, just to give him, give him the Queen Amidala's sure starship. Sure, why not? Yeah, that thing. It it is that the one where they uh the, the was all like super reflective, like his armor. Yeah, it was like just SR seven chromed out SR seventy one Blackbird. And they do that to this one, right? They get out the sanders and or the polishers, and they just mm-hmm. chrome the hell out of this thing, and it looks right. cool. It matches his armor, but yeah, you're not using this for bounty hunters, which to me says. This is a one and done go find Grogu ship, right? Like yeah. as, as soon as he finds baby Grogu and and uh they put her they, they put baby Grogu in the droid slot, mm-hmm. they're just gonna jettison the ship because he can't do bounty hunter missions with this. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe Mando's done with bounty missions. I wonder is that, that possible. Too. It could be that he's meant for bigger things. Like it's going to, he's going to go full on like unifying the tribes of Mandalore and yeah. you know, uh, like this is what this is. Uh, this is essentially like your buddy who flunked out of college and hasn't got his, and, and, and uh, he's driving Uber. That's mm-hmm. Mandalorian's bounty hunter. You know, it's like, that's what they're doing when they're down on their luck and they're trying to get back on their feet. Yeah. Um, because this isn't a great, it is a great him and Grogu bombing around the galaxy yeah. trying to do shit ship it's not really useful for anything else <laughs> i i think this is like the kind of hot rod scene you should have had if you wanted hot rods fuck these moped that's biker what i'm gangs. saying yeah yeah this we, was we, cool boba fett's got a ride with the fucking vespa squad where mandalorian like rolls up and his like you know supercharged right where the the, the freaking rebels aren't even looking to chase him because they know they can't catch him in x-wings yeah, yeah, they can divert all the shields and all the turbo lasers into the engines that they want. They still can't get as fast as he's got with his magic go fast button. <laughs> right. uh, I mean, this is like Knight Rider. Like he's got totally. a, he's got a super pursuit button that he can push now. Um, but it's cool, and I like you know that that the American graffiti aesthetic when they fire that thing right. up and like the you can see this like fucking supercharger like rattling around <laughs> and because it, its engine mount can't even yeah, contain it's like it. Dom Toretto's exactly fast furious yeah. Man. Yeah, he's got a Nas tank he's going to inject it to. Um, I also really like Amy Sedaris playing this uh, motto character. Where she's talking about dating Jawas and the Jawas in the background, mm-hmm. like in the conversation, they're like, hey, <laughs> Te Wonga Wonga? And she's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm busy. Like, because the, the Jawas are yeah. like, so what's up? You know, we hear you date. We hear you, da- you, you, hear you got the, the Jawa. Hot for the Jawa. Not anymore. She learned her lesson, apparently. Very furry. Mm. Very she's furry. great, man. I, I love her in this show. Amy Sedaris is did they do more to her this? Cause I don't remember her not having eyebrows. It, she Maybe might they have did. burned her eyebrows off, but I, I'm not sure. Cause she's looking even more kind of, uh, not Sedaris like, uh, yes. which I, I thought, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. it's a, she's, she's a great comic relief character getting totally getting, like half eaten by this shop rat. Uh, yeah. Jeez. And she's got all the stupid droids. Also, I like seeing a gonk power droid actually powering something uh-huh you know like, like i've never seen them do anything but just kind of walk around in the background gonk, 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 and now, now, <laughs> now they're actually being the living 
car jump battery that they're supposed to be. That was pretty cool. Oh, the other thing that, yeah, you talked about like episode one fans just having their minds blown in this scene and jumping out of their seats and cheering. This is the, when he takes us out for a spin, this is the exact route that Anakin takes on his pod race, right? Did you know that that was actually Beggar's Canyon? I did not. I never knew that that episode one scene went through Beggar's Canyon. I wonder if this is a, something that because like I don't I, I, I don't remember them saying that the Boonta Eve race uh, went through Beggar's Canyon, but it's unmistakably the same thing. You even see yes. if, if you if you look real close, there's that wreckage of the off ramp that Anakin uh-huh. plowed through. Um, so, yeah, this is canonically cool. Beggar. This is where uh, Luke, Luke practicing bullseye swamp rats, you know, T-16 Skyhopper. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was cool to see that. The other, did you notice that the cryogenically dense combustion booster that the Jawas stole from him, that like that little shaft that they cut out of the pipe cruiser? Oh, that's the, the same, exact same the, thing that yes. Luke and Han are trying to brace the compactors with. So, I did. That was awesome. Yeah. That's like, so it's like, yeah, canonically, this is space junk that uh, you can, you can, uh, of course, the. Yeah, every time the, the job. This Jawas didn't, they didn't uh, junk it. They actually are the kind of guys that would, you know, steal your catalytic converter. Or, right, uh, the right. silver inside of it. <laughs> Which I'd still sure, thought, why not? Super cool. Yeah, I imagine half the shit on Tatooine is just like Star Destroyers shitting onto the planet. It's like mm. ah, we don't need this stuff. Let's just jettison it onto Tatooine. Yeah, what if there's like fleets that just kind of like wait for the uh, you know like uh, ships of junkers that just kind of wait for the fleets to go into hyperspace because like oh, look at all the yeah. cryogenic booster rods are throwing away and you look at some of the garbage that comes out of that Star Destroyer and how big it is <laughs> like my god there must be there's got to be there's got to be they're paying if they're paying starving begging girls to go out in the Tatooine and pull shit <laughs> off a wrecked TIE fighter the stud the yeah yeah, yeah, it must be some pretty good, pretty good space shit to sort through. Uh, Mando, like I said, takes this in one up for a test flight. It doesn't have a name. I wish it would have. I wish they would have given it a name in this scene. Um, and he gets pulled over by X wings. When things get dicey, he steps on the gas and leaves him in the dust. We kind of already talked about that, but if if you don't remember, this is the guy. From the Mandalorian, he, he was trying to get uh, uh, what's her name? Shit, Kara. Yeah, name? Dune. Uh-huh. To Cara, Cara Dune to join the New Republic as well. Uh, last season of the Mandalorian. Uh, did you know this? That uh, the other X-wing pilot, the new guy, he was the guy that played Mark uh, Hamill's body double from the season two Mando finale. Oh, okay. Nice. You can kind of see it. Yeah, you know, obviously they gave him a whole new digital face, but uh, uh, you, you can definitely kind of see it. No, this totally felt like old school Star Wars in a lot of places. Like when they get to the substrata of the ring world, it, I was I was very much like this is Star Wars. Just That's the whole vibe like of that. The Mandalorian starting to feel like the 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 linchpin, the the Iron Man of this thing that like everything's going to flow through because like mm-hmm. this guy showing up is kind of like Nick Fury at the end of Iron Man. Like, hey, we got this project we're putting together. It's called the Avengers. Like, clearly that he's going to be tapped by the New Republic to do some big galaxy unifying things. Um, or at least that's what I'm I'm seeing them putting down here. Yeah, and I love I just you know okay, you got the body double of uh, Luke here in this cockpit and in the other cockpit you've got a dude who at least shape wise reminds me of like a Jack Porkins right 
Um, yeah, he's a he's a little porky. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. You just got the bigger X-wing pilot who you think like barely kind of fits in the co- cockpit of this thing. Yeah, they got the, the, the cockpit stretcher out for him. Yeah, <laughs> feels that. I don't know why specifically that feels very Star Wars to me, but like mm-hmm. all the different shapes and sizes of pilots feels Star Wars. I think that's the the de- de- deal. Is like in the old trilogy, and they kind of got in the way of this in the, the new stuff. But like people were just dudes, man. Like yes. once you got past the main cast, they were just like grabbing dudes uh, off the streets of London, throwing them in a cockpit, and they were just they were not movie stars. They didn't have the like it, it was yeah. you know like you look at the the background characters in Hoth, they just look like they're all farm boys that've been pushed into action. Uh-huh. You got fucking Cliff Clavin from Cheers. <laughs> as one of their 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 leaders in Hoth, for God's sakes, I'll just take anybody. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I like this scene. Um, and then he lands back at the uh, space dock here, and Finnick is waiting for him, and she tries to hire him to work for Boba. He agrees, but doesn't want payment, and he also has to uh, visit a little friend first. Makes me wonder if we're going to see Mandalorian back for the like at the season finale of the Book of Boba, or are we going to rejoin him in season three of Mandalorian on the hunt for Grogu? And then they'll do Boba Fett will take over his show for an episode to kind of bring the That's two back. That's probably together. where we're headed. Yeah. yeah. Seems to me too. Yeah. I feel like everything that's going to happen in season three of The Mandalorian is going to happen off screen here. And then, yeah, we will we will have to catch up to what we see at the end of this season of book of Boba Fett in the next season of Mandalorian. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Well, that's the end of the episode, but we do have some feedback to cover. If you'd like to send us feedback, it's tribe at baldmove.com and we'll open that feedback right after this quick break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, coming back. It's time time to look into our mailbag, Jim. Tribe at baldmove.com is how you send in that stuff. Uh, first up, Aaron from Buffalo. Love the name. <laughs> hey, guys. Really enjoying your coverage of Book of Boba Fett, and I feel very similarly to you about the first four episodes. They feel very underwhelming and not the tone that I would expect from a show about Boba Fett. All the people involved in the show have been hyping up the last three episodes in interviews, so I'm holding out hope. I can see why uh, this, last, this last episode, if it's the first of the two three hyped episodes uh this is promising maybe now that boba's fully healed he can be the badass we all knew him as but i'm not going to hold my breath too much on that front the line from finnick about hiring muscle has me excited to possibly see boba hire the old gang like bosk and dingar oh (laughs) sure and maybe some other body hunters from the legends like we saw at the black chrysanthemum the first four episodes have been largely set up like a lot of the cast has said then the final three better have a hell of a payoff Thanks for the great podcast and keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Aaron. Um, man, yeah, you get like Bosk and Dingar and IG88 and Forlom and <laughs> all, all the guys, but all the gang back together. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Everybody you see on Vader's capital ship. Yeah. All the outer rim bounty hunters. Mm-hmm. And you got coined, though. They're amoral. Like, that's, yeah, that's exactly the kind of shades of gray 
stuff that I would expect Boba Fett to get up to. Um, but it's like, man, what are they going to do in the last two episodes? Take down the Pike Syndicate? It seems like it'll be too easy. And like assemble the team? Yeah, this is the first of those. That's, uh, that's a turn in the right direction for me. It's just weird that it comes without Boba Fett. And since but. like, you know, like I, I got excited when, you know, you, they, they're doing the previously on at Phoenix. Like, if you got credit, I can get you muscle. And then you see the silhouette of the Mandalorian. I'm like, fuck, yes, this yeah. is amazing. But now that the Mando said he's denied the call to adventure and it's like, yeah, I got to go pick up my kid from school. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because. How do they wrap up the Book of Boba in two episodes? Like, to my mind, they have to defeat the Pike Syndicate. And that was front and center in this episode. Uh, you know, Mato's complaining about it. Uh, Mando's aware of them. That kind of, you know, the the Jawas might uh, have started a turf war with them. I don't. Um, but Mando or the the Boba, Boba Fett doesn't still have any muscle. It would take a whole episode to kind of get your hands around the kind of muscle it seems like he'd need. And then you got one episode of just a eh, maybe that works out. We'll see. Or maybe they'll get it half finished. It depends on how big the Pike Syndicate is, how influential. Um, I don't have a clear picture about the Pike Syndicate's power yet. I know they've been so powerful that even the legit, like even the New Republic is intimidated by them, which we kind of got a little last that like Hmm. the New Republic is trying to bring government, effective government to the outer rim, um, but they haven't quite got there. So, yeah, I don't don't think you can defeat them in two episodes. Maybe it's going to be a longer arc. Next up, we got Brent from San Diego, who is digging the book of Boba Fett, says, hey, guys, longtime bald mover, loving yet another damn podcast. I just giggle every time the mods hop up on their space Vespas and presumably pump tunes by the jam. Maybe run home and watch Quadrophenia 2 in their spare time. Just something where I can say, I see what you did there, Favreau. I don't get any of these references. I don't either, man. These must be younger millennial references that I don't get. Uh, something I also dig is some of Rodriguez's touches from his unfairly maligned Alita Battle Angel. Feels like the mods mm. look is definitely borrowed heavily from that project. And while they may seem out of place in Tatooine, yeah. the aesthetics are definitely cool. Hope they just don't become YA joke characters, but we'll see. I would say Rodriguez, settle down, keep your Alita Battle Angel in your back pocket for when it's appropriate. Don't try to force the shiny Tokyo neon aesthetic on Tatooine. Yeah. Because this is not Tokyo, man. No. <laughs> this is opposite. not even Okinawa. This is this is the this is the you know slimy mud hole, scum wretched scum high villainy kind of you know thing. Yeah. Uh Murder Bear. I apologize if you brought this up before, but it's occurred to me that when Boba climbed his way out of the Sarlacc pit, why wasn't his first move after getting back on his feet to go after Han Solo, aka the dude that knocked him into the Sarlacc pit in the first place? Needs his armor want- for that, right? Needs his armor. Mm, but he's not even like, he comes out with a hard on for Bib Fortuna. Yeah. Not like solo. I, 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 I hear what Murder Bear is saying here. He says, I truly wonder if Favs made this show because he always thought the Boba was overhyped and is trying to show how dumb and uncool he really is because <laughs> man, just fumble after fumble with this guy. He screws up with almost every move. I'm sure there'll be a redemption at the end. I'm hoping that this show will look better once it's all said and done, but it's kind of rough right now. And unfortunately, he's getting to that point where the more things bug me, the more nitpicky I start to get, and it all starts mm-hmm. falling apart. This, the fail, your suspension of disbelief is starting to fail. fail. Yep. You know, uh, just like the, the N1 Starfighter, uh, who apparently doesn't have landing gear. They just float all the time. 
boy, that shiny thing gets all fucked up when those anti-grav things fail. It just crashes unceremoniously to the desert, and you start noticing all the nicks and the the the, mm-hmm. the, the grime and the dents. Um, Real flight of the navigator vibe going on. And man, Boba, when he finally got his arm, do you remember how fucking badass that was when he wades into those stormtroopers and starts launching knee rockets and shit at them? And, uh-huh. you know... Oh, the, the, the cool guys don't look at explosion Boba Where, what happened to that Boba Fett Boba Fett drops 25 pounds in his entire personality apparently yeah lost the taste for it somewhere along the way Murder Barrel says I also kind of thought him taking Finnick and replacing her guts the modification was kind of not cool sure it's a life saving measure mm-hmm. but presumably uh, he presumably did not know this woman and just picked her unconscious body up and forced these modifications on her without her consent well and she doesn't like it she can put a bull in her head and go back to that, how it was I guess see that's the thing it's like I don't think this is like finding an, uh, a, an unconscious woman and getting her tattooed like th- <laughs> this is right. like this is like this is exactly the same thing as Tony Stark's cave deal an Iron Man where this this doctor finds him and hooks him up to his heart electromagnet because otherwise he's going to die like yeah. Tony did not ask to be stuck to this thing and drag around car batteries in a cave but if he doesn't like it he can disconnect it and let the shrapnel destroy his heart uh-huh. or it's like a good Samaritan type of law like you know if, if I find you uh, unconscious on the pavement even if I don't have the proper training for it and you're not breathing anything that I do as far as getting if I break your ribs or crack your sternum like I'm cool because I'm trying to save your life and if everyone just yeah. stood and watched you die so like I, I I get what you're saying about the consent thing but I think um, it's very rare that you're going to go wrong violating someone's consent uh, to save their life you know I we even yeah. go through this uh, in our former lives of Jehovah's Witnesses like it was kind of understood that especially with children in in the cult that like if they needed blood no matter what the parents said, the doctors, they have those forms ready to go. Mm-hmm. Like keep them warmed up. Oh, you got a religious objection to this life-saving treatment for this minor child? Oh, well, I have this, I have this stack of forms and triplicates signed by every judge in the state ready to go to override your bullshit parental consent. So like sometimes, you know, principle of saving a life takes precedence over that kind of stuff. Um, but I, and, and then, and then, yeah, well, he's like, it also feels like her, him leveraging that to her owing him one. It's like, that's a little bit murkier like you know sure. if you present someone with a bill but like shit that's what we do right <laughs> we do it and nobody likes it and if, we if think I, it's unjust pa- yeah yeah let me tell you if you pass out on a sidewalk uh and a, and a and ambulance comes and picks you up takes you to the hospital <laughs> you will owe them one let me oh, tell you you absolutely will and yeah, yeah. you might want to disconnect those cables afterward <laughs> <laughs> you might you might death might be preferable uh-huh. uh uh Let's move on to Brent says, how much time and money do you think was spent on Mando season three? Or I mean, episode five in comparison to the first four episodes. Uh, uh, it seems like a lot more. It does. And I know there's some things like, you know, we take for granted, like the rancor. Like, I really like, yeah, that's a pretty cool special effect, but it didn't even register as one. It's like, well, that's just a rancor. Uh huh. Because I know it was a puppet in the original and I just my brain just connected that dot. Instead of saying, oh, they made this thing CG and it took a lot of effort and time and money. I still think it was probably a little prosthetic and a little puppetry when especially when they're really close. But like that stuff, you know, like but but the ring, I get it. The ring world just looks like a million bucks. Oh, yeah. Um, It just looks so much better than anything we've seen from the Mandalorian and like from Boba Fett and 
you know, it, we've seen a lot of cool things in Boba Fett, but it's overshadowed by also like the really obviously shitty CG of like the mod guys and stuff like that. So, yeah. Brent continues. I thought the episode is amazing with the brand new Halo Ring City, uh, new and unique aliens. The first 50 minutes had me in awe. And then we even get to see a Mandalore flashback scene. But what the heck is it doing in the middle of a Boba Fett show? Love to know how they planned this. It seems like the book of Boba was conceived midway through Mando season two and thrown into production to give us an appetizer for Mando season three. I think that's right. I think you cracked yeah. the code. That's exactly right. Um, Boba Fett's going nowhere in his own story. Meanwhile, we've seen minor characters like, uh, 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 oh shit. I can't remember. Uh, Ku, Ku, it's the, um, Ah, uh, uh, the Ugnot character from the first season of Mandalorian. Kuil? Oh, I. Kuil? He spelled it correctly, but it does not help me because it's Q U I I I L. Sure. Kuil uh, sounds good. And, and Mayfeld complete great character arcs in less than 10 minutes on screen. The unbalanced stories from the same production crew is bizarre. It's, it's what happens when you're ready fire aiming an entire. Yeah cinematic universe and it is God. not at all what they did on marvel and now i know to their credit they have i think they've three years into this project they're they're like starting to be like you know what we need to stop we need to find our kevin faggy we need to you know i guess it's dave filoni we need to get him together and they need to just like fucking plan out the next 10 years and we can start executing on this stuff there's a reason yeah. they canceled the next trilogy and they're trying you know they're not like dc where they're just like fuck it we'll just keep keep going but um they should have done this from the start they had no uh, there was no time pressure on star wars star wars has been around for decades they didn't have to go in there and hire three different directors to do three different movies that were wildly different movies um yeah it's a real shame because like i don't have the affinity for the mcu stuff because i didn't read a lot of comic books growing up Mm -hmm. what i did have the affinity for was star wars and they've just Man, they botched you, you it. You prefer it be the other way around. I, I would. I would love for them to Marvel fuck up the and... Avengers and half-ass that, and then come in with the coherent strategy for Star Wars. But can it's I not confess? The world I live in. Yeah. As much of a Marvel fan as I love, and as much as I've loved the last ten years of Marvel stuff, I, I, yeah, I Star Star Wars is the a number one apex childhood fantasy for me, and right. I, I would, I would use my monkey paw on that. Like, make Marvel suck and Star Wars awesome. <laughs> I, I think you could I do take both, them both and, being awesome, but yeah, if and, you had to pick and one. And I think I think you can lay this, and I, I don't understand what, but I think you can lay the entire failure of this at Kathleen Kennedy's feet. Like she is the one mm. that has called all the shots from the beginning. She's still the fucking executive producer over everything, and yeah. I think she's done a shitty job of it. I think a woman can run a Star Wars universe. I just don't think this woman oh, sure. can run a Star Wars universe. Um, and it's baffling to me how many missteps like it's it's tough when you've got 500 million dollar missteps you know 700 million dollar yeah. missteps under your belt because just like on the dc side everyone's like this superman sucked yeah well it made 500 million worldwide so suck it right um but uh boy her first uh fir- first uh five years or so in this experiment have not made her management look very good um david r says as I was first a bit thrown off when I realized this would be a full-blown Mandalorian episode. The pace was slow at the beginning. Extended shots of Mando limping didn't help. And I wasn't sure this episode, where this episode was heading. I also find the Mandalorian code profoundly stupid. Hey, we're decimated group down to only a few of us. But first you two fight, possibly to the death, over the laser sword that no one seems to use all that well or understand. And oh, since you took your mask off that one time, get the hell out of here. 
and it'll come back <laughs> until you've completed some arbitrary time-consuming quest. I don't get it. The mythology doesn't make sense and just makes the Mandalorians look stupid. Welcome to religious fundamentalism. Yep. When you decide uh, a priori that this is the right way for the universe to be, and if it, that worldview fails, you just got to try harder and have more faith, man. Yeah, no, this is the way. And we're that sounds seeing... like apostate reasoning, to be honest, David. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, it sounds like apostasy, what you're saying. We're seeing the one branch of Mandalorian culture that, what, it was the one in a million that didn't die out entirely. Yeah. Like, there are so many other Mandalorians who were probably like, you know, this is the way, this is the way, this is the way. I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And they were just snuffed out entirely. So we're seeing like the one in a million luck, luck here. Yeah. Imagine like if um, Scientologists were out to sea in their sea cruiser. Uh, their, their, their million year contracts and you know asteroids hit every landmass and they were the only ones left uh-huh. aliens land a million years later and be like man fucking humans are fucked up well when <laughs> and that's what's kind of happened like I, what I understand is like the, this Mandalorian cult got banished to a moon yeah and only the insane or incredibly lucky or happen to be off the planet Mandalorian survived so like you really put a lot of pressure on that population um Mm -hmm. and then they think it's of course because that happened it's divine right so why would they ever consider choosing uh but it's frustrating it should it should be frustrating to see people uh not thinking things through like that yeah but i also respect uh the conviction you know it's like well this is the thing that we believe in we believe in it so strongly that we're willing to make sacrifices for that belief that's that's fine that and that conviction uh, properly harnessed can do great things. Totally, you know. Um, but uh, also, like it's when it's when it's un- chained to a, a noble purpose. Oof. Yeah. However, as the episode progressed, Dave continues. I really ended up liking it. The special effects slash CG I felt and looked like Star Wars, and the humor worked out really well. Manda going through space TSA was hilarious. Amy Sedaris speaking and uh, and having dated a Jawa was great, and the space cops and X-Wings not wanting to give chase to Mando or file a report because of the paperwork gave me a good laugh. Oh, and Mando's hand-built sh- ship actually looked like something that would be pieced together via scrap, unlike the techno-punk gang on the neon hover Vespas. Yes. Now excited to see Mando back with Boba and see where their team uh, uh, team up leads us. Possibly seeing Grogu in a little Mandalorian armor has amazing potential for hilarity or disaster. I can't wait. Hey. Everyone thought Yoda fighting with a lightsaber would be fucking stupid until episode two came around <laughs> yeah. and it was kind of awesome. I agree. I didn't hate it, that fight. It is ridiculous mm-hmm. in every sense of the word, but it's also fucking cool. So like, I'm not going to count the little green judge him by his size. I will not. Yeah. Uh, I, I expect Grogu to just like try and eat those rings, right? <laughs> He's just going to be like little lifesavers to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's like that little, uh, what's that little beast from Futurama that, that eats matter oh, and craps Nibbler. out? Uh, yeah. Nibbler, yes! <laughs> he's going to be the Nibbler. He's going to eat eat Beskar and crap out antimatter or something. Yep. Uh, Lebo says, well, I had to pause the episode three minutes in and do a double take. I thought I'd clicked on a Mando episode by mistake, but was happy to catch up with everyone's favorite space Mormon. This episode got back to what I expect from the show. Like y'all say, if Pixar can ride the line between adult kid entertainment so well, why not Star Wars? It's all under the same mouse's house. That new ship was gorgeous. 
At first, I got pod racer vibes, and I was thinking about those terrible space Vespas, which made me a little nervous, but the end result was something quite beautiful and felt like Star Wars. I do wonder where he will store his captured bounties, warm and cold alike. The ship doesn't <laughs> mm-hmm. seem to have much in cargo uh, or storage space. Maybe a roof rack is in order. But I do know one thing. If that little bubble where the R2 unit would sit isn't occupied by a chainmail wearing Grogu by next episode, I will be shocked. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely for sure where they're going going for it. I do wonder if there is some kind because she mentioned you can do hyperspace without docking in a ring and we've seen starfighters dock with other structures to it. I wonder if like the, the well, another possible way for this to go is to modify one of those to be like a cargo hold slash living quarters that he can ditch to like, you know, go, go ballistic if he needs to. Sure. I could see it. They also didn't talk about how like up, up, uh, how, how how modified the guns look on this thing? Because like the old Naboo fighters had those like little tiny like holes. At the, but this thing looks like fifty cal machine guns that they've like with big barrel shrouds and shit. So it's like, yeah, I don't think the engines are going to be the only thing overpowered on this this thing. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh Show seems to be setting up for what could be some really great deliverables, an epic battle with Fett on his Rancor, Mando and Jedi Grogu and their new ambassadorship, maybe a Tuscan Raider piggybacking on a Wookie. Uh, now this is pod racing. Then for the icing on the cake, watching Team Vespa take all the casualties of the battle, get those space hipsters some red shirts, boys. Maybe even make some some brown pants because shit's going to go down. Uh, I would love that would actually be hilarious if like they have this very cool battle and all of the mods end up taking all of the casualties because yeah, do any of them have names? Everyone you've named that's cool has a name. All the mods are just collectively known as the mods. Yep. So mod squad out. Uh, all the cool guys in. Um, let's move on to Steve J. Says I want us all to live in an alternate reality where this episode is season three premiere of The Mandalorian. In the second episode of this fictional reality, Boba Fett recounts to Jin Jaren his escape from the Sarlacc pit and his time with the Tuscans. This would be the first four episodes of the Boba Fett series condensed into one 25-minute thrilling and heartfelt flashback instead of the two hours of flashbacks that we did get. The third episode, Boba lays out a situation to Mando and what he's trying to accomplish on Tatooine in the power vacuum created by Jabba's death. They go about doing whatever it is they would have done in Boba Fett's episode six and seven, also condensed in one action-packed episode. This gives Mando a cool little side mission for a couple episodes, keeps Boba Fett from turning into whatever he seems to be now, and leaves everybody wanting to see the continuing adventures of everybody involved. Um, I agree. I don't know why. I don't know why the shit went down the way it did. I don't know why they decided. Uh, I will say that when, you know, he threw Bib Fortuna off his throne last year and the Book of Boba title card came up, I was fucking pumped to see it. Oh, yeah. Like, you and I were both like, Jesus, this is going to be so fucking cool. Uh-huh. It's kind of shocking how boring they've made boba fett yeah that that end scene had a vibe to it man that that was like intense and then you cut back to episode one and it's like ah yeah not doing it yeah boba fett should not be outshone in his own like i feel like boba fett kind of outshone the mandalorian last year when he showed up because we just all were Mm, so fucking ready for it you know Mm -hmm. um i don't feel like the mandalorian but i think the mandalorian is just a new cool guy in the universe and he's yeah. just taking it from Boba now. 
Will says, I'm really enjoying the Mando Boba slash Halo crossover episode. I'm also loving all the Darksaber Mandalorian lore we seem to be getting. It looks like Jon Favreau wrote this episode and he was actually part of the original Clone Wars series arc that drove into the Darksaber or dove into the Darksaber and ancient Mandalorian lore hmm. where he voiced uh, Pre Vizsla, one of the wielders of the Darksaber. I think it's the guy that forged it. Uh, so you have to think that he has some firsthand knowledge from George Lucas and Dave Filoni on the Mandalorians. Oh, I'm sure. He's, you know, him oh, and yeah. Dave have gone into a cave somewhere and talked about it. Uh, I appreciate y'all's thoughts on Jin Jaren, his devotion to the radical sect of Mandalorians. After last season in the Mandalorian, it was looking like he was set to leave the radicals and join up with the more moderate ranks of the Mandos. And now it seems like he's conflicted with his devotion to the radical beliefs, but can't yet bring himself to turn away from those beliefs. Yeah. Well, thanks. Well, if you remember, that was one of the points we made last year that would be mm-hmm. very unrealistic for this guy to just be like oh i got a different viewpoint Bloop. i'm just going to completely like, like raise from infancy yeah and owes a life debt to these people uh it's going to be it's it's going to be a process and i'm glad they kind of pump the brakes and shows that this is this disillusionment and synthesis of new ways is going to take take time yeah it's probably going to come through grogu honestly like there's that's kind of his his outroad i don't know from this whole way of thinking um just following grogu around is going to expose him to a lot of different ideas and viewpoints and he'll have to struggle with it but we'll see where he ends up uh craig has some perspective for someone uh who is not as steep into the star wars universe uh it's more of a casual watcher says i've enjoyed the show so far wouldn't say it's a fantastic agree with a lot of your points the biggest one being how defanged and quite frankly dumb in some spots boba's been opposed to how we first saw his comeback in the mandalorian when he kicked ass this latest episode is going to highlight the deficiencies a lot more than normal because the best episode of book of boba fett so far didn't even have him in it literally just an episode of the mandalorian um i did like how they fused the book of boba's shitty music with the mandalorian's awesome one too Uh like they 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 kind of wove that through especially in the, the final credits um I have faith the last two episodes will bring the series to a good climax like the Mandalorian seasons do. As for us not getting any more of Boba in his own series, I would say no. Do you think we'll get more Boba? Oh, totally. Yeah. Th- this is not the path forward for this show. It's We're going back to Boba immediately next episode, I think. And, and I also think that like it's very modern Disney storytelling to blur the lines. Like, What is an Avenger film and what's a Captain America film? Sure. What's a Spider-Man you know, film? And what's an Avengers what's a, what, what's an Avengers film? What's a Guardian of the Galaxy? What's mm-hmm. exactly like all that stuff kind of. And I think you're going to see the exact same thing with the Ahsoka uh, series, with the Mando series, the Boba Fett series uh, with his. Uh, I don't know how they'll do that with the Obi-Wan series. Maybe that can be a standalone thing that he can just do weird shit with. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris just, it, it would be hard, right? Because they're not happening in the same time period. I, how old? That's what is, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. How old is Obi Wan in that? I don't. I don't even know. He looks like he's about 20 years older than he was in the Clone War. So, like, okay, so, but it's not. Like, but that's that's what? weird because like he's that that means he would look like Alec Guinness, and we know he doesn't. Maybe they'll make him up sure. to look like that. I guess he could. Yeah, I mean, I don't even mind if he doesn't. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll just know it's the same character right he played the young Obi-Wan he plays he like a middle aged Obi-Wan that's he, fine he, the, 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 like his adventures conclude uh, pre-battle of Yavin like he's just dead like he could right. be a force ghost but 
Uh, yeah. So they got to set it like he's not going to blend too well in with this crowd. Yeah. So we got there's, there's going to be him wandering in. Tat- of course, a lot of shit going down at Tatooine. Seems like Tatooine's like the center of the universe suddenly. Um. So I don't know. Maybe they will work in some kind of. But but yeah, that this is all happening five years after. Yeah. You can't flash back like Return of the Jedi. What Mandalorian's going to be a kid again. I, and yeah. Interacting with Obi-Wan on Tatooine. I run around a teenage Clone Wars era, Boba Fett and Bo-Katan. I don't know if I like nah, that. I don't think it's going to happen. I hope they do something just kind of standalone and weird with it, you know? Sure. Chris DiCapo says, WTF? What the Fett? So what show are we watching here? I thought this was a Boba Fett show, and this week was 99.9% Mandalorian. Granted, it's the best episode yet because it was Mando, not Boba. You guys so nailed it the first episode when you said it was just a Mandalorian 2.0, and this proves it. I have no idea where the show is going or what it's doing. I feel like I see where it's going and where it's doing. I just don't know mm-hmm. why they did it this way. I, I definitely agree with the, the other email or a couple emails back that says it just feels like the first four episodes could have condensed, could have been condensed in about 25 minutes of backstory and flashbacks. And yeah. And really you just make this one show, the Mandalorians just add an S and yes, and be cutting back and forth between these characters on their journeys. And you mm-hmm. can, uh, that provides an even easier way to intermingle the stories, right? It makes, more the mi- mytho- it, it makes more of the anthology. And when you, you know, when you're running out of creative juice for the Mandalorian and the current, you can like make, go back and tell the Mandalorian, uh, the Mandalorian uh, Civil War, and uh, sure. you, you could go back ten thousand years to the dawn of the Republic. You could do all kinds of things if you just call it Mandalorians, because mm-hmm. your whole Ballywick is just all things Mandalore. But uh, Mike from Sydney says I'm five episodes in the Book of Boba, and I'm starting to struggle. The tone of the series has been really jarring. And this episode is no different. While the episode itself was good, I just found it added to the confusion of the series, and now the inevitable team-up just smacks of having to fulfill content quotas, not telling a compelling story. Hmm. I'm missing something as a viewer. I mean, the tone was jarring just because this is the kind of, like, dark, violent, like, morally gray stuff I thought we'd see in Book of Boba. Like, if you... Boba's not going to be a babysitter, so we can see him do some cool-ass shit, and no. No. No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, he's surrounded by crime lords and underworld types whereas you know Jin has to go out and seek those people Boba's just surrounded by them in his daily life like yeah I expected more of this from Boba Uh, Dan says there's no way this episode is from the same series right you have appropriately junky and yet still awesome technology and Tatooine with Mando's repaired Naboo starfighter action scenes advance a story and have both grit and stakes for characters Plotlines advance the mythos of established characters and tribes from the Star Wars universe and a decent balance of sentimentality, Grogu's armor and humor, Peli's motto's junkyard shtick. The refreshing gasp of Star Wars air. Since Mando wants to go see Grogu before joining Boba, do you think we'll see him before he rides in to save the day in the Fett versus Pike War? Will they have any Grogu meetups for the mainline Mandalorian series or will we see how Luke's training is going next week? <laughs> That'd be funny if the next three episodes are just no Boba. <laughs> just you know just 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 launching all soft launching all the other series and seasons they need to right um let me ask you this mm-hmm. because um Bryce Dallas Howard directed this episode um <laughs> and did she not also direct the uh uh the season finale of last year's Mandalorian I don't know maybe she's just really good 
and they should uh-huh. give her a lot more stuff to do because this for sure feels different in 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 tone and uh just confidence from the 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 other stuff we've seen um so maybe she's just like a, the 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 real good star wars director that they need to give a trilogy to or something could be or maybe she's got something on uh, the higher ups at Disney. She's got information and she's like, look, you're going to let me put this dripping sack with a head in it in my episode of the Mandal. Oh, sorry, Boba Fett uh-huh. uh, or or I go public, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she, there's a reason why this is different and I don't know what it is, but I'd love to know. She has found Walt Disney's frozen head and resurrected it and passed current through it. And it's just spouting anti-Semitic crap. And she's got it all. <laughs> she's got hours of got Holocaust. And then and she's she's going to let it rip. Going to mm-hmm. let it rip if they don't let her behead somebody in every episode she directs. And which I say, more power to you. Got the night. You got the mouse by its balls. Yeah. She's got the song of the South. And she's got Walt Disney's racist corpse, and she's going to use them both to bring the mouse down if they don't let her play nice with Star Wars. I, I don't know. It's compelling theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's it for the feedback we got. If you'd like to send us more, uh, it's easy to do so. Tribe at baldmove.com. We'll be back next week with another thrilling episode of The Mandalorian or Boba Fett or fuck, maybe Luke Skywalker, the Jedi Academy. We'll see. This show can be anything. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.